Well, hello, pre- depressed dolphins. Wow, I said depressed dolphins. dolphins. Pepest. Depressed dolphins. Um, hello, we are your hosts, Jordan. And this is also your hosts, Briggs. Okay, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, we are going to talk about folklore today. So Briggs has some Filipino folklore for you, and I have some Japanese folklore for you. So we're going to jump right in. Um, but before we get into the folklore, we were going to talk about this, like question for you guys do you guys plan your bites when you eat oh yeah this topic i forgot about this yeah so i i asked all my siblings and my um mom and um her wife and the majority of them and so there's there's seven of us right so i asked six of them the majority of them do plan their bites they plan them that's our other host, Finn. Um, they plan them and for like you know saving the last bite as like the best bite, and so does Briggs. Why do you why do you do that? So the thing is, is that if you plan your bites out like that, so that the last bite is the best one, then your overall impression of the meal is good, right? Generally, people remember only the last part of any experience, right? So that if you had a really good day, all things considered, but the last part of your day was sort of hard or sort of bad, your overall impression of the day will be that it was really bad. Same thing is true of a meal, right? So if you had a pretty good meal and the last bite was eh, a little off, then it's going to be a bad meal in your head, right? So if you plan out ahead of time that last bite as being like the piece that has everything involved or it's the best part, it's going to be a good meal no matter what. That's how you're going to remember it. See, and I've never thought of it like that, and I've never done the whole planning my bites thing. Um, I do plan sometimes what I'm going to eat first. Um, So, I mean, I guess I do do a little planning. Um, But most of that comes from, like, post-pregnancy, not liking meat as much. So, usually I'll eat my meat first or mix it with, like, other sides that I know are good or going to be good to help me get through, like, that, I guess, quote-unquote, worst part um and then i eat like the rest of like whatever i don't i don't have like a favorite side or a favorite something i just eat like i just eat because i'm just eating to satisfy my hunger if that makes sense or i'm just eating because that's what we have and that's what we made so we're eating it like i don't know I've, i've never been one to plan bites so think about that do you plan your bites when eating Um, it's just an interesting concept to me because I've just never thought of it like that before. And I don't know. I just think it's weird. Um, like not in a bad way. I just, I just, I guess I just, I'm not as smart as some of you guys. Well, Um, here's the question. How do you eat any meal? Like, do you eat like one side at a time? Do you eat like each part, like as you go, like in a circle, what do you do? So there's no real method to how I eat. I take a couple bites of, you know, what I've been most looking forward to. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good. You know, just checking on it, making sure it's good. Then I go, oh, this looks good, too, like some veg or whatever it is for the side. And I eat some of my veggies. And I'm like, oh, that's super good, too. So I try everything first. Okay. And then what I do, and there's no rhythm. There's no circle or square or whatever. No shape to it. No shape to it. It's just, you know, I try a little bit of everything first. Mm -hmm. And then whatever I least don't like, I guess that's what I mix with other things. But I also tend to like to mix my bites. Okay. I'm not someone that likes to... um, 
you know, my, my, my one food can't touch my other food kind of person. I'm like, no, I like to mix and, you know, try different flavors together. Um, almost like when you're eating charcuterie and maybe that's why I love charcuterie so much is because you're eating like cheese with like a piece of dried apricot or you're eating, you know, cheese and a cracker or, you know, um, a salami and some olives or something. And I like mixing and matching the flavors and seeing how they, they taste. See, that's that's an adventurous way of eating, right? That's more of like what you would do if you're you're trying to cook, right? Which is, I think, why you're better at cooking than me, mm. right? I uh, I don't take a shape. I, I I don't know why that that's a thing that I started into this conversation. No, I know I I was the one who brought that in. Yeah, but I do. I guess go in sort of a pattern, right? Um, if I know what's on the plate, I know everything how it tastes. I will start with the thing that I dislike the most. Uh, or is my least favorite thing on the plate, I will eat all of that, and then I will go from there in a pattern, eating the least favored thing until I get to the last thing, which is my most favorite thing on the plate. That's how I eat. And see, that's really interesting to me. And I see him, like, turning his plate or whatever to, like, get – and I'm like, just leave the plate there, move your hand with fork over to what you want to eat. And just eat it. Like, why do you have to turn your plate into the pattern? That you're... sometimes it helps. It's just weird. It's just weird. No, the other thing I'll do sometimes, right? Have you ever heard of a palate cleanser? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I do that, right? So if I have something where I really enjoy this one thing, I will purposefully keep something else on the plate so that I can have a bite of that thing. Once I recognize that, oh, the flavor is getting a little bit reduced, I'll go back to a palate cleanser food eat that for a second and then go back to my good tasting Well, stuff. part of that too is just you not having a sense of smell and therefore not having a sense of taste. It's true. It's bad. Because my, my tastes don't start dwindling like yours do. Mid-meal. <laughs> Mid-meal, no, that's not a normal thing. Uh, if you guys don't know, well, I'm sure we've said it before on the podcast, but for those that are new here, Briggs has had a lot of concussions. Um, and concussion number one, he lost his sense of smell. Yeah. So it's really bad. Like I was, I'll be smelling like rotten meat or something, and I'm like, "Can you smell that?" And he'll be like, "I can't smell a thing." And I'm like, "How do you not smell the the meat? Smells like goddamn farts." Apparently, one of the fridges at work is like it has rotten mold or something inside the fridge, like you know, in between the metal and like the inner casing. And so it smells like a rotten animal from what it's been described to me. I am incapable of telling that it's still there. Apparently it's been there for about a year now. Oh, they need to get rid of that fridge. Yeah, they've they've gone through and done multiple cleanings. And that's why I suspect that it's inside, like, the in-between part of the fridge. Right. But yeah, no, no. It's Everyone's scared to go over there now. That's terrible. Yeah, they moved someone there recently and he's very upset. So it's just an interesting topic. Ask your friends, you know, like, are you guys, you know, planning your bites or how, how do you, how does one eat? I yeah. guess. How does one eat? It's very interesting. I met people that they can't have, you know, their chicken touching their mashed potatoes or their, you know, put their uh, salad touching their meat. Like they all have to be very separate. Whereas with me, that was one of the best things I loved about Thanksgiving is having like a bunch of things all kind of meshing together and touching each other love like some stuffing with some green bean casserole on a piece of turkey like it's just delicious um and that's also you know one of the joys of the thanksgiving sandwich afterwards leftovers you know like you get to have 
have like a little side on, slap a side on there, slap some turkey meat, slap some cranberry sauce, and it's just delicious. Um, anyways, enough about that. We did like eight minutes of that <laughs> talking about eating. So we're going to go ahead and get into some folklore. So who wants to go first? You want to go first or me? I mean, I can go first if if we want to continue with uh, uh, a certain kind of trend we've been talking about. Okay. All right. So Briggs is going to go first. Here he goes. All right. So speaking of eating, um, in Filipino culture, um, all the monsters want to eat you. Um, specifically... You don't have to yell. I, I'm a yeller. Uh, specifically, they want to eat um, pregnant women or children or fetuses. Which uh, is terrifying. Yeah, no. So, and is there a specific creature that does this? No. Um, so... All uh, I'm and I'm going to say this now. I am Filipino, but I was not the Filipino in my family who got taught any Tagalog other than like Salamat Po, and yeah, I guarantee everyone knows Salamat Po. Yeah, exactly. It's a very nice one to know. Uh, I guarantee that I will misspeak uh, and I will mispronounce all of these words, and I apologize to my entire heritage. Um, <laughs> be honest. Explain to the the crowd what Salamat Po means. Uh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, it just means thank you, everybody. There is a fancier way, like, uh, like I'm very thankful to you, but I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't know how to say it anymore. I yeah, haven't for a I long time. I can't remember either. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's just Salamat Po, but there's other stuff in front of it. Right. Um, so, an Asquang. Okay. Again, that's wrong. I know it's wrong. It's uh, A-S-W-A-N-G, for those who want to look it up later. Um, it's... A catch-all term, basically, for shapeshifters or Filipino monsters, generally. Because basically all of them are shapeshifters. Um, it covers vampires, ghouls, witches, viscera suckers. Uh, that's a great one. And beasts, usually dogs, cats, and pigs. Uh, or viscera, if you're curious about what that is. That's your guts. That's your, that's your internal organs. Um, they show up a lot. There are a lot of different things. Um, Vampires, generally vampires in in Filipino culture, uh, instead of using their teeth, uh, guess what they use? What uh, they use a proboscis, like a like a giant mosquito. Ew, that's gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they uh, will stab it through almost anything. Cause Ew. I feel like in the Filipino culture, they didn't have like good building materials, and so they were scared of people like. Stabbing through their roofs and eating them. Interesting. Yeah, and so that's what they were afraid of. Their their monsters would, like, be in trees waiting for you and just get you. Ugh. Or they would be like, they would cut themselves in half, which is another type of monster inside this thing. Uh, they would, like, remove their torso, fly into the night, land onto your roof, and then stick their tongue through the roof and get you. Right? Uh, but they wouldn't eat you. They would uh, get their tongue into your body and then drain the blood out of your fetus's heart. Uh, it's really, really descriptive and horrible. It's really horrifying. Like, yeah. Who wants, to, who, wants, who wants to have, like, you know, horror, horror stories about, like, your pregnant women basically, like, having their babies die in them like that's just crazy or being eaten or having their guts sucked out like that's terrifying no and that's all of them that's yeah. almost every single one of these stories like i there's very few that where it's like oh they eat something else like so the regular vampires this is this is what they they say about them 
that they don't live in tombs. Uh, some live in forests far from human uh, communities, but the Aswang uh, can infiltrate human society by means of marrying into the community and either slowly draining their husbands of blood or else using it strictly as a hideout and leaving at night to raid other villages, thereby keeping their cover intact. One example of a vampire Aswang is the Tagalog Mandurogog, uh, said to live in a region of Capiz. But yeah, no, they just they just drain people, you know, with their big giant proboscis. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Do you have any other ones? Uh, again, the okay. I'm going to say this word, and I guarantee this is wrong. The Mananagog goal. It's okay. It's. <laughs> Let me try. Yeah, go ahead. It's right there. Mananangol. Mananangol. Oh, good. Good. If that's what you feel like it is, I don't know. Uh, it is the viscera sucker. Um, literally, um, like the vampire Aswang, uh, it consumes, uh, its food with its tongue, narrow and tubular, but not pointed like the vampire. By day, it takes the shape of an attractive, light-skinned and long-haired woman. By night, it grows wings and segments itself, leaving behind its body from waist down. It takes great care to hide its lower half, then flies in search for victims. In particular, it's attracted to the fetuses growing inside pregnant women. See, it's always fetuses. And it's weird. So their diet is internal organs or phlegmatic discharge of the sick, which yeah. is disgusting. Yeah, they're going to go after your snot. Uh, I mean, hey, if it makes me better, right? I you know, if it gets well. rid of COVID, sure. Yeah, and again, just like the, just like the, uh, the vampire people, but uh, like the vampire, a swung, most infiltrate human community via marriage. So basically in Filipino culture, you have to be afraid of... Uh, attractive women uh, who will marry you so that they can eat their babe, the babies in the local community. Like, why is that something they're afraid of? I don't know, but that's that's absolutely horrifying. You want to talk about a horror story? Imagine a horror movie like that. Why haven't they made? Probably because it's just too. No, there are, but they're all in the Philippines. Oh God! <laughs> so mine, some of mine, um. So, first of all, let's just talk about the difference between uh, yuri and yokai because we're, we're di- diving into Japanese uh, folklore here. So, yuri were basically spirits of the dead related to death and religion, um, while yokai were just monsters without any deeper meaning or religious connection. They're just basically evil beings, um, which I don't know which one is better, but I, I don't know. It can't be good. Um, so, the first one I have here is the secret of Yamamba. Yum. So it's it the picture is like this woman, this old woman, um, wearing like a Japanese kind of like theater like mask that looks like a demon. Oh, an Oni mask. Yeah. Um the Yamamba looks like a harmless old woman, but are actually terrifying mountain yokai that consume human flesh. One of their oldest legends is from the Kanjaku Monogatari. Um, sorry about the pronunciation of these. Um, I, I, I do apologize about that. But once upon a time, a Buddhist priest was caught in a storm, but luckily passed by a lonely hut. A kind old woman invited him inside, welcoming him with food and warm fire. As welcoming as she was, she gave the priest a strange warning. No matter what, do not look in the back room. Unable to overcome his curiosity, the priest failed to heed the old woman's warning. 
As soon as she stepped out to gather more firewood, the priest peeped through the crack in the door. To his horror, he discovered the room filled with half-eaten corpses. The priest realized that the old woman was a Yamamba, luring unsuspecting travelers into her home only to shred them to pieces for their next meal. He fled from the hut as fast as he could and never looked back. Can you imagine, like, you know, Hansel and Gretel was pretty, pretty terrifying. Like, it was pretty gruesome. It was pretty gory. It was, it was terrifying. Um... But imagine like an old woman luring you like a spider into her house. You know, hey, yeah, you, you need a place to stay? Sure, stay, you know, chill with me, crash with me. Yeah, it's all, it's all cool. Just don't look in my back room or don't look in my dirty closet. You know, there's there's stuff in there that I don't want you to see. You know, like Monica on Friends where she's like telling Chandler, don't look in there. But you look in there and there's just ripped to shreds pieces of other corpses because she has ate and destroyed them. It's disgusting. Yeah, you know, it really affects your Airbnb rating in that situation. It really does. Um, Okay, so the other one I have, much like our, you know, spider reference. This one kind of is a spider reference, too. Um, Shout out to spiders out there. Woo, my eight-legged... Shout out to our spider listeners. (laughs) Shout out to all our spider listeners and those who have been bit by a spider and now have spider powers. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. They're all clapping their eight legs. They're clapping their eight legs. Yeah, exactly. Although these, this particular spider is not a very friendly one. So this is the legend of Jorogomo. The Jorogomo is a half woman, half spider yokai that can transform itself into a beautiful woman when hunting for unsuspecting men to devour. A young samurai was accosted in the street by an alluring gorgeous woman although she was beautiful the samurai saw through her disguise realizing she was not human but some kind of yokai he immediately drew his sword and plunged it towards her but only injuring the strange woman before she quickly retreated the samurai followed the scarlet trail of spotted blood all the way to an old abandoned house inside he found dozens of bodies bound in spider silk and a giant joro spider dead from the injuries it had received so i don't know about you but i am terrified of bugs and i cannot imagine a giant human bug thing like if i came across that i would shit my pants it sounds like what happened was this guy figured out that the lady was the other mother of japan and he fucking followed her into the other realm like Coraline, and fucking just found all the bodies yeah exactly which Coraline, man if you guys haven't seen that movie it's a really good tim burton one um and then lastly, I have, well, not lastly, but I do have the tale of Owai or Owa, Oya, Oya, Owa, Oya, Oya. So not all scary stories are made up. The tale of Oya is based on a real event that took place in the 17th century EDO. So let's just see what this is about. So Oya was a stunningly beautiful young woman who was married to the samurai uh, Lemon, a petty man who only loved her for head, her head-turning looks. Another woman, Omi, was madly in love with Lemon, and out of jealous rage, she tricked Owa into using a cream that was laced with poison. It disfigured Owa's face, causing one of her eyes to droop and her hair to fall out without even her noticing. Disgusted with her new appearance, Lemon wished to divorce Owa and marry Ume. The despicable samurai hired his friend Takuts... Uh, Ka- Sorry. Takutsu to rape Oiwa so that she would have the grounds of divorce. Um, Takutsu 
was so shocked by Oa's appearance, he couldn't follow through with, with the orders. Instead, he told Oa of Lemon's plans and showed Oya her face in a mirror. Seeing her disformed her seeing her deformed face for the first time oiwa was so horrified that she took takutsu's sword killing herself with her last breath she cursed lemon's name on the night of lemon's remarriage to ume the ghost of the disfigured oiwa appeared before him a terrified and guilty lemon quickly fled from oiwa but no matter how far he ran he couldn't escape her hauntings after that night, no matter where Lemon looked, even in the lanterns he used to light his path, he would see Oiwa's face staring back at him. I kind of feel like this was a tale of karma a little bit, um, at least for the guy Lemon. Like, he deserved to be haunted, to be honest. Like, A, sending someone to rape your wife, that is just, like, so that you can divorce them. Well, like... It's, it's layers of questions, right? Or layers yeah. of problems. He obviously was going after... He had his wife, yeah. but he didn't care about her as a person. He cared about her, her as, an, attract, yeah, as right. an attractive entity. And so... And this other bitch knew it. She's wrong. And obviously, this guy was not in the right either. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, whoa, she's not pretty anymore? Fuck that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, yo... Hey, bud, can you can you solve this problem? The only person in this whole story who's even halfway decent is the buddy. And even he's not great because he was going to do the the wrong thing. The wrong thing. And he just decided, he's like, oh, I can't touch that thing with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, which almost makes it worse. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know about worse. At least he but was it, honest in the end. Yeah, it's just, it's bad. Um, oh, yeah, so it's just, it's so weird. But it's interesting because, you know... They have, like, the Yuri, like, the, you know, spirits of, you know, the dead and all that. And then they have the yokai, which are just, like, evil, like, demon spirits. Which, if you ever watch anime, it's very well portrayed in that. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you can tell the difference pretty easily when you're watching anime. Like, there is going to be, like, spirits or whatever that are of the dead. But then you also come across, quite frequently, the yokai a lot in anime. Well, I think that at the end of the day, what we can do is we can look at – because the reason we're doing this, guys, is we're looking at different cultures, their version of folklore versus you know the, the standard one everyone knows of, you know, English or, or Norse or you know even Greek. Greek or anything like that. When we're talking about European folklore. Everyone's aware of it because it's, it's deep in all of our, our you know, cultural viewpoints. Right. Um, but when you look at Japanese, Japanese is more known for sure, but uh, Filipino is pretty out there, all things considered. Mm -hmm. But it, it shows what the people legitimately were concerned about, right? Yeah. The thing is, the Filipino people, they were concerned about people coming in from outside who looked a little bit different, mm -hmm. who were sort of attractive, but wanted to, to steal their men. Right. And they were concerned about shoddy craftsmanship. In their homes, yep. letting monsters in or, you know, vermin or whatever. And they were concerned about things dropping on them from the tree line and mm -hmm. stuff. They were, the things they were concerned about were legitimate. They just picked, you know, weird ways of showing that. And I almost think that with the, um, Jap with the Japanese, I feel like they were concerned about dishonesty. They were concerned about, um, you know, looks a lot in yeah. their culture. And I think that was definitely a thing. Um, and beauty and stuff and the whole like, you know, there's a lot of stories out there. You can look them up, but there's a lot of stories about out there, you know, circulating about how, you know, beauty is not the only thing that's important. 
Um, and you can find that in almost every culture. But you can also see it in a bunch of Japanese stories of someone who is pretty and willing to help doesn't necessarily mean that they're a good person. Right, right. Right? Sometimes that's how they get you. Right. And that's sort of a lesson in Japanese culture, right? Is just because they're nice and they're pretty doesn't mean that they're your friend. Yeah. Keep an eye out for that. Which, honestly, we could use a little more of in our culture, too, because, yeah. you know, it is true. Like, just because, you know, someone's beautiful and they look good and they seem perfect doesn't mean that they are, you know? Um, did you have any more for us today? Uh, more from Filipino culture? Yeah. Let me see if I've got anything good, because we've got the were dog and the witch and stuff. Hmm. Ooh, the witch. Oh, you want to look at the witch? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I will pull up their own specific page, if I can do it all right, I'm going to say this word, guys, and it's it's uh, hard again. Everything is hard. Um, it's the mangkonglungkarlam. I can't. I can't even try. Here, okay. Here, you say it. Mangkukulam. How do you do that? I don't know. <sighs> Mangkukulam. You're better at me than this Filipino thing. Um, uh, can be considered a Filipino witch. It literally translates to a practitioner of kulam. Uh, a curse is called a supam, um, which can also be translated as a vow or oath or a curse. Uh, a mankukulum uh, may use a voodoo doll. Uh, wait, why are you laughing at me? Because it's just funny. Go ahead. Um, a voodoo doll uh, and a needle to cast spells on people. Uh, they use natural magic and superstitions called arboralor. I can't say that. Uh, witch doctor. Um, both can be considered witches, but the main difference is that the Word that I can't say is a doctor who heals people, or a mankuklum, uh, is a. <laughs> why are you laughing at me? <laughs> the way you say it. Oh, you think mankuklum is funny? You think that you th- you're laughing at me? You think I'm a clown? You think no, I'm. It's um, is a malevolent person who tricks and curses others. It sort of makes sense. It's like the difference between, like, um, in, in, I'd say maybe African culture, like the shaman priests versus witches, because they do have those as well, right? Well, it's interesting to me because I would think if anyone had, like, voodoo in their culture, like, automatically you go to, like, the French in, like, Louisiana, right? Not the French, but yeah, no. Well, not the French, sorry. Like, Louisiana, like, you know, what's the Disney movie? The Princess and the Frog kind of crap like that. Um, But, or, like, African cultures, right? Um, Because... I'm pretty sure they have, like, witch doctors and voodoo as well, pretty heavily in their culture. Um, But I definitely feel like if anyone had it, definitely the Philippines would be a place to have it too just because, you know, they were more, like, you know, tribal as well Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, just given the nature of, like, where they are living and how they're kind of, like, their culture is, like, living in huts and everything like that. Like, it's just... I don't know, like, I would think, like, they would have some kind of, like, voodoo witch doctor there, too, just because in a lot of, like, remote areas like that, you always have someone who's, you know, practicing, like, um, I want to say holistic medicine, right? Holistic medicine. Uh, But, you know, back in the day, you know, we didn't know a lot about medical, um, modern medicine and all that. So, like, a lot of it was just a lot of, like, trial and error and guessing and, um potions and stuff which yeah that that exists like potions were a real thing it was a lot of just plant-based things 
Um, this is like the old school holistic uh, viewpoint of medicine. So before essential oils and stuff, you got like that all natural, like, you know, oh, here are the leaves of this plant that, you know, are supposed to do this thing and they will help you and therefore you'll be better. Um, so, yeah. Well, so like, I think voodoo is an interesting topic by itself, right? Oh, yeah. Because um, like it started off as the tribal, like, like tribal knowledge, I'm going to say that, right? And religion of the African people. And then it got intermingled with um, like the Caribbean Indians uh, or the Caribbean natives uh, during slavery. And then that got brought to the United States and got intermingled with a bit of Christianity mm-hmm. and like the, because of the French and stuff. And yeah, it's just a weird hodgepodge of different beliefs and structures Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got like magic mixed in there. You've got just like old school, like herbalism, like you're talking about paganism. You got, Oh, there's so, so much mixed right. into it. Right. Um, and it all sort of stems from either Africa itself or specifically the Caribbean. Um, interesting. Yeah. And so it's, it's a very weird religion to get into or a weird practitioner, kind of look to get into guys i think i'm gonna go pagan i think i'm gonna i'm gonna become a witch here a witch i want to be a witch so you know mm. next time you get covid i'll give you some medicine and i'll give you a few chants here and there too no what you do is you wave become, my wand you become a, a chinese uh medicinal uh practitioner right? oh gosh no you, then you're protected from the fda you can give people whatever you want oh my gosh it's yeah. so crazy um, but yeah, those are some things. Um, I'll tell you one more just, you know, before we go. Um, so let me see which one I want to do. Okay. So this is, um, the ghost of Okiku. Okiku's story is sure to keep you up all night. And if it doesn't, her ghost will. So there was once a girl, Okiku, who lived in Haimeji Castle as a servant of the samurai Aoyama, one of Okiku's tasks was to care for her master's collection of 10 valuable plates. But one day, while Okiku was washing the plates, she realized one was missing. No matter how many times she counted, she always came up one short. Her master was so enraged that he had lost his plate that he threw her down a well. That is a lot. Like, break a plate. Man, you talk about crying over spilled milk right god but like you break one plate and it's like oh no fuck you you're gonna get thrown down a well bitch this is his favorite plate he he was the classic like you know what what are those things uh commemorative plate memorabilia people oh god yeah no that was his favorite pixar plate and that bitch lost it yeah and you know pixar it's He's like, collection. eBay it's is going to be invented for another 2,000 exactly, years. Exactly, exactly. Um, so murdered so brutally, Okiku's soul could not rest. Every night her ghost crawled out from the well to continue counting her master's plates. Mm-hmm. She would count to nine, then upon realizing that the 10th plate was gone, she would let out an ear-piercing shriek. Okiku's screams kept everyone in the castle up all night long for weeks on end until a Buddhist priest finally appeared, appeared uh, to, and appeased her. I assume by giving her the tenth plate. <laughs> so, like, what do you think this this is trying to teach us? Um, do you want my serious answer or my not so serious answer? I want both. Okay. Um, I would say uh, the serious answer would be uh, probably something along the lines of you should 
work hard, but you should shouldn't take people and what's the word? Shove them down a well. <laughs> you shouldn't you shouldn't hurt people or you know what's the right way to put it? I don't know. Um people people work hard for you. You shouldn't punish them because of a simple mistake. You shouldn't escalate what is a simple mistake into an extreme reaction. Right. Right? Just because somebody like lost a fucking plate doesn't mean they deserve death, right? The, the the principle of an eye for an eye from either Hannah Rob Hannah Robbie um uh Hannah Robbie or from the Bible is a good principle, right? And I think this is sort of wandering towards that. Yeah, but an eye for an eye meant if you offended someone. So people mis misrepresent. Well, let me tell them what I think yeah. it means. So an eye for an eye, mm-hmm. at least the way I was taught. Yeah. An eye for an eye meant okay, you have sinned. You have, and this is coming from Christianity, you guys, if you didn't know this, um, you have sinned, so therefore, you know, you offended someone, whatever it was that you did, so therefore your brother has the right to take out your eye for that, or, you know, your your arm, or whatever, whatever it is that, like, whatever the the body piece was that did the offense, so, like, say you lusted after someone and someone knew about this, then they would take out your eye, or... If you murdered someone with your right hand, then your right hand gets gets taken off. Is is that incorrect? Yes. So one, you're mixing two different ideas, right? Am I mixing the whole plank in your brother's eye thing? With- no, 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 no. Okay, go ahead. So you're mixing up um, the idea of if my eye offends myself or my if my eye offends me, I should pluck it out, right? Okay. And likewise, if my arm offends me, uh, I, should, I should remove it, that kind of thing, right? Right. But the idea of... Um, Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? Uh, that comes from A, the Bible, and B, Hanarabi, right? As part of Hanarabi's code. Um, but the idea was actually the beginning of reciprocity, right? So before, if somebody stole from you, like if they took like two bucks from you, right? You could kill them. That could happen, right? And nobody, oh, he, he stole two bucks from him. That, that's fine, Right? You shouldn't steal, right? Hanarabi and the Bible, obviously, the, I think, was it Abraham or Moses? One of them. Um, the, the leadership at the time were like, whoa, 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 that seems like a bit of an overreaction. How about if you, you mess with somebody and you do something wrong, you, you can get the same thing back from the person, not more. More is not okay, right? Because there was a situation, there's been lots of them where somebody ends up, you know, hurting somebody, like, you know, you one kid punches another the dad comes and kills the kid the other dad comes and kills the entire family and just keeps going forever right you start a blood feud that will last the generations but it still doesn't to me it still doesn't um how am i gonna put this make that much sense to me because you're still saying oh if you steal from me then what then what there's no direction then what i get to steal from you no well so then there is a process, right, that if I took $10 from you, you aren't allowed to take my whole life savings. You're allowed to take get or get $10 back from me. You're allowed to get the same amount back. Okay, that, right? that makes sense, but I really think they should have wrote that a little better. Well, that, that was the way they did it, right? Tooth for a tooth, eye for an eye, that kind of thing, right? So, like, if I hurt you in such a way, like, you lose an eye, okay, then I should lose an eye too, right? Interesting. Very interesting. I don't agree with 
the process. But um, yeah, that is interesting. So what was your non-serious answer about about Okiku? Mm, uh, my non-serious answer, don't fuck up. Uh, if you fuck up, you might end up in a well. Also, uh, remember remember how to count. And maybe if you're the one counting, maybe maybe you, you count a little different next time. Maybe you go uh, one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Look at that. Oh, we got all the plates. God. <laughs> um, yeah, Okiku's um, story was very unfortunate for her. Um, it's definitely a sad story, um, you know. It simple mistakes, you know, you don't need to be so harshly punished for a simple mistake. Um, and likewise, I think it also teaches us a little bit about materialistic things. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, you know, a piece of, you know, gold isn't worth someone's life. At least that's how I took it, too. Um, you know what I mean? Because for a commemorative, you know, Pixar plate, a commemorative Pixar plate is not worth someone losing their life over. Um, and so I think it also kind of teaches us or goes into, you know, the value of like a human being, um, and what, what, what that means. At least that's how I look at it. Looking at how much she cared about that. She hung out after death to try to keep counting those plates. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really don't. I really think that we can learn something from, you know, some of these folklore stories. Um, they do kind of read in such a way uh, that, you know, you can learn something from them. There are like almost like proverbs kind of things in them. Um, and they were used, I think, to teach children about things and to teach, um, you know, teach other people, you know, like right from wrong and things like that. So oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what you can see in like. Uh, the stories that were eventually put together for um, the Grimm's fairy tales, right, right? Right. They were life lessons, very small versions to give to either children or peasants. Or, or like Aesop's fables. Aesop's fables is a great example. Yeah. yeah. They were ways of giving societal, like the, the mores of society to people in a way that could be easily digested. Yeah, I think so too. Definitely think so. So that is it for this podcast. Um, We hope you liked the folklore. I hope you delve into a little bit more of Filipino culture just because it is fascinating. They do have a lot of horror stories um, to look at. And if you like horror and you're like me, you like playing horror video games, you like watching horror movies, you like playing horror board games. And yes, those do exist and they are fun. Um, You know, it is fun to always, you know, kind of like delve into other cultures and see kind of like what their horror stories were. So, yeah, I mean, just... If you're interested in folklore or anything like that, just don't don't stick to the biggins, right? Go look into some some smaller, weirder stuff. Sometimes you'll find some interesting ideas deep in there, right? I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting to look into. Yeah. Oh, you've got that off, huh? Yeah. So anyways, yeah, we encourage you to look at other cultures, folklore, um, or even wives' tales is another good one because, yeah. you know, we as, you know... Americans have like a lot of like wives tales, but actually Filipino culture has some pretty crazy ones too. Um, And as does, I mean, I'm sure, you know, Japanese culture, Chinese culture, you know, African culture, you know, um, and then, you know, of course the, you know, European culture as well. But like one of the, um, one of the Filipino folklore or sorry, uh, wives tales that I love the most is I was told by my 
very Filipino grandmother who is full Filipino, um, moved here from the Philippines, became a citizen um, through marrying my grandpa, um, who was in the Air Force and fought in the Korean and Vietnam War. Um, may he rest in peace. Uh, she would tell me as a small child, don't go to bed with your hair wet because you'll wake up blind. And the other one was don't go to bed with your hair wet because you'll get sick. Or you can't leave your hair wet because you will get sick the next day. Um, but the going to bed with your hair wet blind, like that always scared me. So I would let her blow dry my hair after I took a bath and everything when I was very young, like, you know, five or six. Um, I would let her do the whole shebang so that I can go to bed and not wake up blind. Um, so yeah, then of course, one time I decided to try it and got brave enough to try it. And I was like, oh, there's no way. And I did it. And I was like, you know, I'm not blind. So I think that might be uh, something they just tell children so that they can dry their hair. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the one. I think there it's it's a Japanese one as well where Jip, Japan also has the if you go to bed with wet hair, you'll die. Um, but the other one was if you go to bed after eating a big meal or something, you'll wake up a cow. <laughs> like how does that a thing? You just, oh, oh I ate too much. I go to bed. And then you wake up, moo. <laughs> like what? Anyways. And I could do accents. I'm Asian. I can do whatever I want. No Anyways, so yeah, I, I definitely think that, you know, um, it's very fascinating to delve into other cultures and just kind of see where they're coming from and see what you can learn from those uh, wives' tales or those those old folklore tales because you never know. You can learn something new um, and it may even help you better understand their culture a little bit too and like what they were like. Yeah. So. And I encourage you to try, if you're going to go delve down this road, I definitely think you should try some foods from other cultures too because they, uh, food is great. I don't know if you guys are foodies, but I am. um, And I love Japanese food. I love Korean food. I love Indian food. I love Thai food, Filipino food, um, Mexican food, um, Mediterranean food, you know, the one I have not yet tried is, um, African food. I've never met anyone that knew how to cook African food. Um, but I hear it's really good. Mm. They, they, they're also kind of like India in the, in, in such a way that they like a lot of spice is what I've heard. Yeah. And they have like a lot of like deep flavors and stuff. So I'd be interested in trying some of their stuff for sure. Afghan food. I've never had Afghan food. There's an Afghan food place uh, in Maryland. I know where it is. Ooh, we should go. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, that's it, folks. We hope you like this. One last thing. We do have a new logo. It is going to be coming up this week. Um, I just haven't had time to put it up. But my very, 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 very good friend and desk buddy um, from one of my old jobs um, kindly made this logo for us. And... um, basically gifted it to us uh we told her what we wanted and she was like you know what i'm just gonna do this for you as your friend and so she did and it came out really nicely we're really excited about it so uh be sure to um you know keep an eye out for that all right have a good one have a good one everybody